Well, good morning. morning. There we go. All right. So, you know, you've already heard this morning from the different songs of victory in Jesus that we love to tell the story. And also, you have heard of the goodness of God. Well, today, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you have a a hard copy there, or if you have an electronic copy, uh, you might have a phone there. You're able to, to switch on or a tablet. Uh, and we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You know, while you're turning there, uh, to just kind of quickly share it, I think it might be up there on the screen. My, the title of my message is God's Workmanship. You know, I had a little bit of time yesterday to sit and talk with the deacons and found out that some of the things that they enjoyed to do, I enjoy doing too. So that whole idea of building, like working on tables and making furniture and woodworking, all that kind of stuff. That's something that I really enjoy. And it got me thinking about the message today with God's workmanship. So let's think about those different things being made of, of tables and chairs. You know, some of those things are made for comfort, right? You know, the chair is definitely a place where you can kind of get back in the easy and take it easy and or maybe a table there next to your chair for a drink to sit on, you know, that kind of stuff. And then some of that stuff is utilitary type stuff, like storage. You want to build cabinets or, you know, many different things there. And then some stuff is just built for artwork and to show off and all that kind of stuff. But again, when we think about the different things of being built, we think of craftsmanship. That somebody is able to sit there after they've done, put their hard work into it and say, man, look. Look at this work here. Look at this piece of work right here. And it blesses family members. It blesses friends, all that kind of stuff. But it's also to say, hey, I put my effort, my abilities, my skill into this. And this is what has come to be. So today we're going to look at how God calls his workmanship and what that looks like. It is so much more than just a, a piece of furniture or a piece of woodwork. We get to see what the workmanship of God is today. So if you've turned there, let me read for us. Let me read for us from Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I just pray this morning, God, that you'll help us to understand how you have shaped and designed us for your glory. 
It's amazing for us to even think that you would treasure us in such a way, Lord God, that we would be, as followers of you, your workmanship. So as we look at the text today, as we see your word, call us to follow closely after you and help us to recognize, again, how you shaped and designed us for your glory and for our good. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. You know, kind of the main idea of this whole thing is that God, through his great grace, through his great grace, makes the spiritually dead alive together with Christ. And if we are alive together with Christ, that is forever. It's not just a once and done thing. And we're going to see more about that as we look at this passage together. So as we look at those first three verses there, if you go back to the text, you'll see that, that and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. The first, second, and third verse there, we're going to find out that without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Look at the words here that Paul uses. He uses the words trespasses and sins. He uses following the course of this world. You know, there's all kinds of things going on around us in our world right now that let us know there's got to be something wrong because God definitely did not intend this from the beginning. Because when we look at Genesis, we see that when God created everything, it was perfect. And mankind and everything at the very beginning was perfect. So what went wrong? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it says here that in the trespasses and sins, following the course of this world. What else does it say about about people who are dead spiritually? It says that they follow the prince of the power of the air. Specifically, that's the devil. They're allowing the devil to lead them. And they're known, their identity then is sons of disobedience. Because, again, if if your purpose is following, is not following God, it is going to be following something else, and that is going to be Satan, the prince and the power of the air. So they're spiritually dead. And look what this sons of disobedience looks like. If you continue on there in verse 3, it says that they follow the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just like the rest of mankind, born into that wrath. So let's think about that. What happens, you know, when when our our focus is just all about filling or making our wants and desires fulfilled? I think we get what we look around and see the world today. You know, we we see people who, again, if if it feels good then it must be okay to do that. If it feels good, it must be okay. Or if it's not hurting anybody, it must be okay to do that. It must be okay to follow that way. Well, the problem is, if our focus is just feeding our hearts and our feelings and our minds, and we're getting away from Scripture, according to what we just said, that's sons or children of disobedience. And it also expresses their the nature of how we are born. So we said everything was perfect in creation, right? We talked about that just a few seconds ago. So what happened? Well, God had a command. And that command was to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the command that 
God gave Adam and Eve at the very beginning. If that's the case, why didn't they just stay away from it? Or why did God put it in there? You know, why did God do that? Because, again, it shows that our God is not a dictator. We're not little robots here on some type of program that's been put into our head or, or we're on some type of string that he pulls us along. We're actual uh, human beings who have the ability to make choices. By the grace of God, he allows that. So Adam and Eve, pride entered in and they chose to not follow God. They chose to worship themselves and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, that was the command not to eat of that, but he gave them a consequence from the very beginning. He said, take a look at this. If you go this route, here's what's going to happen. You are going to die. Well, when we read Genesis, we're like, they didn't die. They were still walking around. Everything was good. Well, they did die eventually. That was not God's intent. God's intent was us to live forever. In his design, his perfect design, we were to live forever. But then we see when sin entered, that also decay entered the world. We even see that by what Adam and Eve choose to, to put on. They put on clothes that won't last. They throw fig leaves on that are, when they pull them off of the vine itself, it lose any type of nourishment. nourishment wow. Lose any type of um, nourishment for it to continue to grow. The minute that it's pulled off the vine, it no longer lives. It begins to die at that moment. It's even shown by the clothes that they choose to put on at the very beginning. We see the decay of not just mankind, but the decay of the earth around us. And we see the effects of that all the time when we look around. I mean, it's not hard to find. I mean, we, we deal with loved ones, right? That life happens, and as you continue to get older, things change. Gray hair comes in. Hair even falls out a little bit. But our, our bodies begin to decay because of the effects of sin. And we are born into that. But we're also knowing that we've sinned ourselves. When we can look and see that we're following the passions of our own flesh, our own desires, we see there that we are not following God. It's hard talking about death, isn't it? You know, especially if you have family members who are, are struggling health-wise, it is really hard to talk about that. Matter of fact, when you go to a funeral home, They've taken the body and put clothes on the body and they put makeup on the body so that it makes it a bit easier to look at death. Because that is our loved one there, you know. The years that we've spent with them, the relationship that we have. And it's hard, it's difficult to go through those times. Especially it's hard for those who've never said yes to Jesus. But we try to cover that up. We try to cover up this idea of death. I think sometimes we do that in our own life when we look at our sin. Like, my sin is really not that bad. 
We push it off to the side. Or, you know, God's forgiven me. You know, I, I mean, we see some of those, those same words in here that Paul is using to talk about that it was something in the past. He uses those words of, in the way you once walked. Um, in the way, what else does he say there? He says, in the way you once walked. In the, in the, uh, and when you were dead. And among whom we once lived. So those are all past tense. So he's speaking to Christians here who have said yes to Jesus. But we are so quick to want to look at what Christ has done. I think sometimes we forget the work that he actually did. When we take a look at our own sin, it's very difficult. Because that means we need to hold our life in accountableness and, and, and to the Lord and how he has called us to live. In accountability there. We recognize that we can't save ourselves. I'm trying to, for us to kind of get a picture of this. Because those next words that we get to hear are one of the most gracious statements in all of scripture. Because here's the thing. If we are greater sinners than we realize, then God is a greater Savior than we realize. This is what we see here in in the second point, that God made us alive together with Christ. Those first three verses were talking all about mankind and how man was. Then we get to see who God is. That it doesn't start out with, with man here to make us right with God himself. It starts with God. Look what it says about God in verses 4 through 7. It shows his mercy, but God being rich in mercy. And it shows his love because of his great love with which he had for us. Then you go down to verse 7, and it shows his grace. It says, so that in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness. We see the kindness there of God too. So, Mercy, love, grace, kindness. This is who God is. Man, we are totally depraved. And we need something or something or someone to pull us out of that. How many of you have ever like gone to the beach? Like that's, you go to the beach and you get in there and maybe start swimming around. Have you seen anybody like, well hopefully you haven't seen this. See anybody struggling in the water, right? Trying to figure out how to get out. And then the lifeguard's sitting up there on the thing. Hey, just come on in. We'll, we'll take care of you. I mean, it's impossible to try to figure out how you're going to get to the shore if there is no lifeguard on duty. That first responder comes out, puts some type of flotation device around them, and gets them to shore. It's required to have someone else to get that person to safety. We cannot save ourselves in in the situations that we're in. We need someone to come and do that. And that's what Jesus did. Or excuse me, that's what God did when he sent his son, Jesus. We see that here in the text. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. There's nothing else, no other way that we have been saved. It has happened through grace. This helps us, this helps us to see that there is 
nothing in mankind that can bring about salvation. We can't do good enough. It is impossible to save ourselves. You know, there's an equation I like to share when I'm talking about this. So let's say this line, I'm going to step on this side. Let's say this line is perfect. This This is the perfect line here, right? This is like never going to mess up, never screw up. This is the perfect line right here, okay? Now, let's say this is where we start when we come into life. But then let's say we sin. How far would you have me go down and stop? Let me know when. <laughs> Keep going. Wow. Wow. And if go right here. Let's say this is the, this is the line right here, right? The 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 point of falling away from that perfect, right? The line is still here, but we're down here from the perfect. What would have to be to be perfect? Would it be just to come back to this line? Would that make us perfect, just to come back to that line? No, because if the equation is to be a balanced, we have to go above perfect and then come back down. As much as we went negative, we have to do that same amount positive to be able to get back to perfect. And I don't know about you, but I can't do any more than 100%. That's impossible. That is impossible for us to do more than 100%. That's why Jesus came. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. This is Jesus. He didn't have the sin nature. He wasn't born with the sin nature, but he was tempted in every way that we were tempted and overcame it. It was all because of him coming, taking upon our sin, take our sin upon himself and dying in the place that we deserve. That's what we're seeing here, the work that Jesus did. Wow. This is what Christ did for us in our place. So it says there that he made us alive together. He made it. He did the work through his son, living the life that we couldn't live, dying in the place that we deserve, and raising up on the third day to prove that it was a worthy sacrifice and that all who believe upon him will be saved. So you have creation. It was perfect. We see the fall where mankind, they disobeyed God, and we see that everything fell apart. And then it comes in again, Jesus to come make a way for us to have a relationship with God. And all who believe upon him will be saved. So, two more phrases that we see. One is that we're made alive. It also says that we've been raised up. It says there in verse uh, in verse 8, it says, or 6, excuse me, and raised us up with him, with Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So this idea of being raised up is the same thing as his resurrection. So we've been identified with his life. We have been, if we're in Christ, we've been identified with his resurrection. That's the newness of life that we walk in it. And now we're seated with him in the heavenly places. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices. Every time you sinned, every time you messed up, all that kind of stuff, you had to go to the temple and take something to be sacrificed. So you got those doves or whatever for you know, maybe some smaller sins. But you think about that person with like the 
big oxen he's going, you know, like poor guy. He got all, you know. But you're taking those sacrifices so that you can restore fellowship with Christ. So that priest, all day long, there's no sitting down. It's a continual sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And then when that gets done, he's got to come again and do the same thing. Sacrifice, sacrifice. So here's what happens. Jesus, it says that after he offered his sacrifice, he sat down. Because it was the perfect sacrifice. There was no more sacrifice that was needed. So three things. We have been made alive with Christ, that we live with him. We have been raised up, that resurrection that he went through, we went through that with him. And now we're seated at the right hand of the Father with him, which means we have authority over the effects of sin. We don't have, we don't have to succumb to them anymore. And it's not because, if you're hearing me, we can't save ourselves we don't have that ability. It's because of Christ working in us. Okay, so this is exciting. You're like, I, I know this. These are, these are great things, and I'm so excited that you're sharing all this stuff. But wait, there's more, right? So you have the, those infomercials. It's probably sad that I'm, like, connecting the Word of God with some type of infomercial. But those infomercials, like, we're going to give you this thing for $19.95, and then you can get all this other stuff, too. Look at all these other things. So... God did not stop with just saving us from our sin. Does that make sense? He did not stop with saving us in a relationship with Jesus. So it's not just saving us from sin, saving us for God. But listen here in those next three verses, in verses 8, 9, and 10, of what he does. In verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, and I'm going to read these for us. For by grace you've been saved through faith. We just heard all about that. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. There's nothing that we can do. And then in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created for Christ Jesus in good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God continues to work through those who are in Christ. He continues to work through those. What is this workmanship that we read about here? If you jump over to Ephesians 2.22, you'll see that it's connected to the church. Did you realize that you're a stone? You're a stone. You're a living stone. Not a dead stone, but if you're in Christ, you're a living stone. And Christ, we recognize from the scriptures, he is the cornerstone. He is the one that sets things and makes everything true. When we're talking about building a house and putting a house together, back in those days, the cornerstone was the very thing to make sure that the house was true, was level, and was square. Right? That's what the plumb line that they would put next to the building was connected to. Everything was connected to that cornerstone, and Christ is that cornerstone. We are living stones for those of us who are in Christ and have said yes to him. And we're being built with him as our cornerstone into a spiritual dwelling for the Holy Spirit to dwell. That's what we see in Ephesians 2, 22. Have you thought about that lately? 
that we're not just saved from sin, saved for a relationship with Christ, but we're saved into the church. Have you thought about that before? That we are brothers and sisters because of the work of Christ, how he's drawn us together. Are you sharing your gifts and talents to encourage your brother and sister to grow in the Lord? Because we're supposed to walk this life together, carry one another's burdens, celebrate each other's victories, praise God together for how he's worked and moved. This is what he's called us to. Where's your heart been on that being part of the church? And it doesn't stop there, which is exciting. There is more. Says Christ Jesus, he created us for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And that last line, that we should walk in them. We have been saved from sin. We have been saved for God. We have been saved into the church. And we have been saved on to mission. We have a purpose. We have a purpose, and that purpose is to make disciples. And we have the story to tell to the nations. And that story is that God stepped into this world through his son, Jesus, lived a life that we couldn't live, died in the place that we deserve, and rose on the third day to prove that he was the son of God, that all who believe upon him will be saved. Where is your place in that? Have you thought about that? When you get up and go to work in the morning, how are you representing Christ in the church? When you spend time with your families at home, how are you representing Christ in the church? When you go to school with all your friends and you're playing games out on the playground, how are you representing Christ in the church? Because again, if we're not following God, then we're sons of disobedience. And eternity for those is hell. And it's an actual place. So we have the greatest gift to share with people. And I mean that gift. He says it right there. He says, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, one of the, the verses, the kind of the, the verses that I thought of later on in Scripture to kind of help us to see our, our role in representing Christ as we go comes from Matthew 5, 14 to 16, and it says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a light, or nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, they, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is that how you're living? To shine that light wherever you go. That you're a representation of Christ. The work that he has done. Because again, we have been made to him. We have been raised as he was raised. We are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. We're called to represent him well as we go. I don't know about you, but 
when I was a kid, my mom, if you did something good at school, got a good grade on a paper or made some crazy little drawing or, or some, you know, some type of artwork, she would take that and put it on the refrigerator, you know, and show it off to anybody who came by. It was right there on the refrigerator. You may have had some of those things as well. But did it last there forever? At some point, there were some changing out because you can't put everything on that refrigerator, right? Things change. Things pass of of what's going to be on that refrigerator. Well, this is not so with God. We are his treasured people. When it talks about us being his workmanship, it is so much more than a paper on a refrigerator or a table that has been made because you love your family and you want to give them a place to sit and eat. It is so much more than that. And that's something that we'll experience in eternity. And we'll be able to look around and see the folks that God used us to call, to come and follow him. Where are you at today? Maybe you might be struggling. Where, where are you? Maybe, maybe you've never said yes to Christ. Let this day be the day that you say yes to Jesus and follow him. Maybe you said yes to Jesus and thank you for getting me out of this whole sin thing and making me right, but maybe, maybe that relationship with Christ isn't growing. Maybe today is the day for that. Maybe you've got those first two, everything is going great, you know, I'm good. My relationship with Jesus and I'm, I'm saved and, and then that's it. There's, you're missing out on being a part of the church and encouraging your brothers and sisters to grow in Christ and, and to, to gather together and, and hold each other accountable and live faithful. Maybe that's the next step. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's time to go on mission and be purposeful and find avenues of your day-to-day life to share the gospel with people. Where are you at today? I'm going to, I think we have probably another song here at the end and the, the band will be coming back or to share. But while that's happening, the question that I've just lifted up, the question that I just shared, where are you at in that? What does that look like for you? I'm going to be down front. If you're a person that has said, today's the day I need to say yes, please come talk with me. There's also places to pray down here. Hey, I want to make this next step. I want to I move forward from not just realizing that you have saved me from sin, but I want to grow that relationship with you. I want to make a commitment today to grow that relationship with you. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I, I'm, I've been living this life of relationship with the Lord all by myself, and I haven't been growing with my brothers and sisters. Today, I want to make a commitment to that. Or maybe it is, I've done these things, but I haven't been faithful to share that out in the community. Let today be the day that I share, but God, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he had for us, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this time that we can come, and I just pray that you will help us to make those decisions, Lord Jesus, today. Help us to be faithful in that task of of calling others to follow you. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to grow in how you've shaped and designed us for your glory. I pray that you'll help us to, to care for those 
that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, those that you have made alive together with us. And I pray, Father, also that you would help us to maybe recognize how we can begin to step out of these walls and be the church in the community, to be purposeful of what you're calling us to do. Because again, Father, you are great and greatly to be praised. This is all about you. We thank you so much for how you love us. Help us to now move or pray at our seat even and make sure that our heart is right with the Lord. Make sure that our heart is right with you, Lord God. Pray that you would have your way during this time and that we would be submissive to your spirit, Lord Jesus. We love you. In your precious name, amen.